I think we really got something here. What do we got? An idea. What idea? An idea for the show. I still don't know what the idea is. It's about nothing. Right. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. The Nightcap. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. There you go. I think you may have something here. On WGR Sports Radio 550. What's up? It's the Nightcap. Kyle Powell and Joe DiBiase here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Full show tonight. Sabres in action tomorrow, so this is our last show of the week. Sabres at Carolina, 7.30 puck drop tomorrow. Pre-game will start at 6.30 as Jeff Skinner makes his return to the Hurricanes. We'll talk some Sabres later in the show. Um, yesterday we did a lot of uh, line combination talk and... Skinner splitting up the top line in particular, and Housley did that, uh, at least at practice this morning, so I I would anticipate that that will translate into the game tomorrow, but he had Tage Thompson playing with Eichel and Skinner, and then he had Reinhardt, excuse me, with Connor Sherry and Vladimir Spogda. He didn't go as far as I did. I got a little too creative, I guess, so I went with Reinhardt as the second-line center between Thompson and uh, and Skinner, but um, it's all right. He might never play center again for them. Still, it's it's always going to be interesting to me to want to see that again with some more talented line mates, but maybe we never get the opportunity. Either way, Sabres-Hurricanes tomorrow, a little bit different looking lineup. Um, we got football stuff all over the place. The coaching hires are wrapping up. There is still Miami, and that might be it because it seems like Cincinnati's got their guy. Uh, Adam Schefter reports that Rams quarterback coach Zach Taylor is the favorite to be the head coach there. And, man, when that, what was it, unnamed scout from last week said that (laughs) a quality coach uh, under Sean McVay would get a job before the top defensive coordinator, he ain't lying. I mentioned yesterday how in the Cardinals had this in their press release. Um, They're in their press release hiring Cliff Kingsbury. They mention how he's friends with Sean McVay. To kind of get the fans on board here. Hey, he's friends with Sean McVay. You'll love him. And this is kind of along those lines. Like, it's the quarterback coach of the L.A. Rams that could end up being the coach here of the Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll see how that goes um, going forward. But that's a lot of offensive coaches. If he gets hired by Cincinnati, then I'm pretty sure that's just 10 defensive-minded head coaches in the NFL left. 10 out of 32. And a couple of those very long-tenured guys uh, Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll. I think that's it for the long-tenured guys. Um, so, yeah. Then uh, there's the Antonio Brown news today. That's been incredible to watch. That that whole Steelers offense just kind of blowing up over the past 12 months. The Le'Veon Bell situation. Him, everyone expecting him. Oh, he show up week one, and then he doesn't. And then he doesn't show up for the entire season. And... Brown, with the 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 Big Ben stuff, uh, the, the the reported controversy there, and Mike Tomlin backing the quarterback, and you can't blame him for backing the quarterback in that situation. But the Steelers are about to lose slash move on from their two most talented players in the course of one year, and both guys are going to be going to new teams. It seems Bell for sure. 
And Brown, I don't know if you read if you haven't read the owner's comments today, uh, Rooney. It really sounds like that that this is it. Hard to see Brown on the roster in training camp. Wouldn't rule out trading him. And we had Andrew Filipponi on last last hour from ninety three seven the fan in uh in Pittsburgh and. He came out with that. He said that they, the, the Steelers think they can get him traded and only have a $5 million dead cap number. I don't know how that happens. Uh, I know Track, for instance, they have it all laid out and what happens if you trade a guy and when you trade them and the dead cap and the cap savings, and they don't have any $5 million option. Um, they have, basically, if you were to trade Antonio Brown after June 1st, then the Steelers would be able to split that dead cap over two seasons. So it'd be $12 million in dead cap this year, and then $11 million in dead cap next year. Otherwise, they're paying $21 million this year, pretty much whether they have Brown or not. And if they do somehow have some cap situation here where they can say, hey, we're only going to give up $5 million for Brown, um, that's a big deal. That's a big deal because that makes it a lot easier to trade him. Now, Two-part question. For one, what is Brown worth to Pittsburgh? And who holds the leverage there? Two, is this a player the Bills should be interested in? Like, are they at this point? Um, I posed the question on Twitter a couple minutes ago. What If you're the Bills GM, what would you be willing to give up for Antonio Brown? And that doesn't mean that you need to want Antonio Brown. If you don't want Antonio Brown, I think that's a completely realistic argument. He's a 30-year-old wide receiver who best days probably behind him and he's put up some gaudy numbers that would be hard to ever replicate on a great offense and he's 30 and he's a diva sure but I wonder where the Bills are going to land with this because we all know they need an upgrade at wide receiver they have needed one and they definitely need one now look around the league all the top receivers Almost all of them. Wouldn't almost all of them, like, wouldn't it pop into your mind? I don't know if he's a McDermott guy. I don't know if he's a Bills culture guy. I think they've reached the point. I, I wanted them to be at this point last year when I, want, I wanted them to do this last year. And maybe they need another season to figure all that stuff out. But I'd hope they're now at a point. And maybe the Duke Williams signing from the CFL is a very small example of this. I hope they're at the point now where they can take in a guy with a big personality and they'll be fine because their locker room is strong enough, even with Kyle Williams leaving it. Are you at a point where you are very comfortable with your coach's leadership, your locker room stability, that you can bring in a guy who has some character questions and say, our room is strong enough to handle this? Because when it comes to wide receiver, man, it's hard in the first place to find guys that are uber-talented, and it's even harder to find a super-talented wide receiver that is not kind of a diva. Look at the top receivers in the league. You could say it about almost all of them. You could say it about Brown. You could say it about Odell Beckham. You can say it about Julio Jones, I guess, because he demanded money in like back-to-back seasons. Um... I mean, almost, like there's a lot of them out there. Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Jarvis Landry for sure. I wouldn't even put him in that caliber, but he like he's next, and that's a, that's a diva wide receiver. Um, we've seen it time and time again in the NFL. A lot of the top receivers are, you know, 
kind of me guys. We've had that twice recently here. And maybe these guys weren't worth the headache. Calvin Benjamin, Sammy Watkins. Benjamin for sure wasn't worth the headache because he was not good at all. And you know what? He was a guy that wanted the football. You saw the blow or the all the stuff with Cam Newton before the season this year. Getting into it with one of his former quarterbacks. There's the story from, was it Zay Jones' mom or dad, that Zay Jones had to be telling Kelvin Benjamin where to run routes or like where to line up. Like, there's always something, it seems. And Sammy Watkins, kind of the same thing. He, to the media, said, I need the ball more. That's the way a number one receiver kind of acts. A lot of times. Not all the time. But that's kind of what you got. So, when you have a guy like Brown on the market, at some point I'd like them to be able to get a guy like that and say, we can stomach it. Um, maybe the only example I can really think of off the top of my head of a guy that's like, yeah, you never have to worry about this guy being a diva, ever. You never have to worry about this guy going to the media and saying, I need 15 targets a game. I need this quarterback to be throwing me the ball more. The only guy I can really think of like that is Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, that guy has been a top a top receiver in the NFL for over a decade. And I don't think I've ever heard a peep about him being any kind of doing anything like that. Everyone else seems to have a little something-something, right, along the way. So let's see it happen. Let's see what that looks like. Let's see how the Bills could handle a player with that big a personality. Let's see how Josh Allen can look with a receiver of that much talent. Beginning of the day, when this story first came out, my instinct said, I don't want that player. That's a 30-year-old player. I have a young team. I have a young quarterback. And I'm looking for young guys. I'm looking to draft a receiver to be my next Antonio Brown in the first or second round. I'm looking to go sign Allen Robinson, if that's my plan B. Allen Robinson's kind of a, he's a B wide receiver. Uh, maybe even like a B minus wide receiver. Like he's okay. He's pretty good. He's only 20, he was 24 years old when the Bears signed him. Like that's the guy I'm looking for. Amari Cooper, to a lesser extent. I was, didn't want to trade a first-round pick for him, but like that kind of receiver. A guy who's maybe struggled a little bit in, in his first team, but has shown some great ability, like Cooper, like Robinson, and Cooper especially. Like you, The talent's there. It's like, if you can figure it out with him, it's going to pay dividends. And Dallas took that risk, and it absolutely worked for them. They are a completely different team with Amari Cooper than before. That's kind of the idea I had. Either draft a guy is what I would want to do, or go find that receiver. Go find that 24-year-old receiver who has had big seasons, but eh, a little questionable at times. You don't always know if you're going to get his best game. Go take a shot at that guy. And now Brown comes available. He's 30. He's got into it with his quarterback. He comes from a great offense where basically any wide receiver goes to that offense, plays with that quarterback, and they put up big numbers. Not quite to the level Brown has, but look at all the wide receivers that have put up big numbers with Big Ben. Heinz Ward way back when, Santonio Holmes, Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, Juju Smith-Schuster now. Maybe James Washington will just step right in and do that next for them. He was a second-round pick for the Steelers last year, wide receiver. There's a worry. Is he a system guy? And to me, I kind of think with all that baggage and all of those questions, 
age playing into that, especially being a 30-year-old guy. He'll be 31. Brown I'm talking about here. will be 31 next season. I think it's worth the risk. I don't want to pay much to do it. And maybe you can get him for a reasonable price because the Steelers got to know, hey, you're not getting a top 10 pick for a 30-year-old receiver. That is not happening. Maybe someone would do it. It's not happening here. I would really hope and I would assume Brandon Bean's not tossing that ninth pick around for Antonio Brown. I don't think he would do that. I don't even think the Steelers would realistically ask for that. So I don't really think that's realistic. Can you get him for a second in something else? Because to me, although that is still a very valuable piece, and that's a guy that you bring in, that's a starter for you a lot of times. I think it's worth the risk. Cap hit of $22 million. Still think it's worth the risk. 30-year-old receiver. Still think it's worth the risk. Diva. Still think it's worth the risk. At some point, you, the Bills are going to reach a point, or you would hope, where they're going to be a winning team, and you're going to be looking for them to make a move like this. At some point, a team gets past the rebuild phase where you're only really considering getting young players and bringing in young players, bringing in undrafted guys like Robert Foster instead of going out and trading for someone. Why? Because you're not seriously thinking about Super Bowl right now. And I'm not saying the Bills should be thinking about Super Bowl in 2019, but they should absolutely be talking about winning games and thinking about winning games and being the best team they can be in 2019. Rebuild's over. You have your quarterback, you have your franchise middle linebacker, you have your head coach in place, you have your general manager in place, you have both coordinators in place. There is no excuse for them to not make any move necessary that allows them to win next year. At least try to make a move necessary. And I don't know. When they were talking, when they mentioned it on the afternoon show today, Bulldog started with, I don't think the Bills would do that. And then as, like, the seconds progressed, like, ten seconds later, he's like, eh, maybe. And I, that's kind of where I'd be with it. I don't want to just assume that Brandon Bean's not calling Pittsburgh about Antonio Brown. And the reason I wouldn't want to do that is because there is actually precedent. We've seen what Brandon Bean looks like when his team is trying to make the playoffs, when his team is trying to win games. The precedent is he traded a third-round pick for a wide receiver. He's done it. Now, little different, obviously. Kelvin Benjamin at the time was like 25 years old. It's a lot younger. This guy he had, he had been familiar with. But when the team was at a point where they said, we're going to try to make the playoffs. We're not that good at wide receiver. What's our next move? Do nothing? Keep going the way we are? Or add the guy? And they added him. They added Calvin Benjamin. So, maybe that could be some precedent that would say, you know, Brandon Bean is still on the hunt for his number one wide receiver. The draft's a crapshoot when it comes to receiver. A lot. I mean, John Ross was a ninth overall pick for the Bengals. He's done zip almost in the NFL. Almost nothing. Laquan Treadwell a couple years ago for the Vikings. First-round pick. Has done nothing in Minnesota. There are guys that you'll draft, and they'll play really well. First round especially. But over the past couple of years, it's kind of been tough to find them. You've got Juju in Pittsburgh, but then you before that you had Zay Jones here in Buffalo, who has not done a ton. He showed a little bit uh, of you know, a light at the end of the tunnel, I would say, at the end of this year. 
but by no means is that like a number one wide receiver in this league. And you got to find that guy. And I think that should be Brandon Bean's number one priority at this point. Right there with offensive line. Maybe I don't want to say number one, but like I want to put it right there at the top. Right with offensive line is find Josh Allen a number one wide receiver. And although this isn't a guy we're talking about long term for Josh Allen, I mean, he's, he'll be 31 at best. You are probably hoping for three really good years from Antonio Brown if you make that move. You're hoping for three. Anything past that would be a bonus. And I would probably think, depending on what you gave up, anything less than that would be a bit of a failure. But you're talking about arguably the best receiver in football in the last decade. Insane numbers. 100 catches every year since 2013. Six years in a row with 100 catches. Six years in a row with 1,200 plus yards. Three of which were over 1,500 yards. Six years in a row with at least eight receiving touchdowns. One of which was last year, which a lot of people kind of called a down year for him, which, yeah, it was. 1,500 yards and nine touchdowns. Well, I meant more, I'm sorry, this season. Oh, this season. Yeah, last year was insane for him, 1,500 yards. This season, still at 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns. His yardage went down. I think that's probably what a lot of people were I'm listening to. Were talking Career about. high in touchdowns and a, a down season, too. Really, a down year for Antonio Brown is him not being the number one fantasy football wide receiver. Caught a touchdown pass in all but three games. I was just uh, looking at his logs. He's It's unbelievable. He is not the prototypical receiver because he is shorter. Uh, what is he, 5'11"? Um, 5'10 even? Yeah, he's 5'10". But we're talking about a guy that is maybe the best route runner in the league, has incredible hands, strong hands, and still possesses, even at this point in his career, an elite yards after catchability. He's quick, he's still fast, not blazing fast, but he's fast. He's fast enough to get behind defense, and he's the complete receiver to me, even though he's not... Big and monstrous. But I don't need big and monstrous. I just need a guy that can bring in here and say, Josh Allen, you got no excuses anymore. We just gave you the best receiver in football. That's a huge get. It's risky. So I'm not expecting everyone to want this. And that's why I would say already, maybe half of the responses to my question on Twitter. If you're Bill's GM, what would you give for Antonio Brown? I would probably say half are saying, I don't need Antonio Brown. I don't want Antonio Brown. I don't, no thanks. I don't want to pay $20 million for a 30-year-old receiver. But I think the Bills have reached a point where they're past the rebuild. And now it's time to win. And a team that is going all in on winning makes a move like that. Like That's a move the Patriots make. That's a move the Steelers would make if it wasn't Brown. That's a move like the Bears, who I've compared them a lot. The Bears make similar moves to that. This year, they gave up big assets in the offseason in terms of money to go get weapons for their quarterback. And then they gave up two first-round picks to go get the best player that was available in the trade market in Khalil Mack. They were willing to do it because they were ready to win. And I, I want to think that even if... 
the Bills don't make this move or don't even inquire about this move, that they're thinking that way, that they are thinking we can handle something that's just a short-term option. We've reached that point. He can be our number one receiver until we find our long-term one. It's almost kind of like a bridge guy. It's like we don't have our franchise quarterback. Let's bring in A.J. McCarron. He can, he can hold the fort down. Um, bad example here because they did a really bad job of that. But, you know, other places have done that very similar thing. Uh, the Browns brought in Tyrod Taylor. It's like he's going to be our bridge quarterback until Baker Mayfield gets in here. And this is a really probably a really bad example because these guys did not last long at all. But it could, the same can be said, I think, for a receiver. So it takes a while to find a guy that good. And this year's draft class, by all accounts, by most accounts, doesn't seem like it's the best receiver class. Like There are guys, Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma, DJ Metcalf from Ole Miss, um, the, uh, the Georgia kid, Ridley, but there's not a Julio Jones in this draft. So can, can I go get Antonio Brown? Can I get him for a second and a fourth? Can I get him for a third and a fourth? Like I, I wonder what they're asking for, and I'm wondering what everybody would be comfortable giving up. Um, a lot of responses on Twitter, a lot of responses on the text line. 8030550 is the phone number if you want to get your thoughts right on the show. Uh, call in, we'll get you right on, and we'll hear what you got to say. What would you trade for Antonio Brown, or do you think the Bills should stay away? It's what we're going to start the show with tonight, so let me know what you think. 803-0550 is the phone number. We will talk Sabres later uh, as well, and a little bit more on the coaching later as well. It's the Nightcap, Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell. Thanks for listening to WGR. There are three teams left, and I think the Jets are going to throw us a curveball. I don't know why. You know, there's a lot of conventional thoughts surrounding that job, but uh, they know that they need to kind of make a big swing as well with Sam Darnold. I think our day is going to get, uh, maybe not today, but over the next 24 hours, I think it's going to get even crazier. Sports Illustrated's Connor Orr was on One Bills Live yesterday. There he is talking about the Jets. And they hired Adam Gase, and I think that's hilarious. And I don't want to assume that it's going to go poorly, but I kind of think it's going to go poorly. Kind of do. I would have liked to see them hire Mike McCarthy, because I think he's kind of a boob as a head coach. Um, but Gase is <laughs> he's right up there. I think he's right up there. We'll see. Um, I don't know. Colin Cowherd was giving him credit today for... Like winning games with Tebow in Denver. I'm like, did you see how they won games? They ran the football and played defense. If he's getting head coaching jobs because he won a playoff game with Tim Tebow, then have at it, New York Jets. Uh, We've been talking about Antonio Brown in the first 25 minutes here uh, to half hour. And a lot of feedback on Twitter. Uh, 8030550 if you want to get in your thoughts right now. Um, I think it's kind of 50-50 right now. It seems like... People, especially on Twitter, either want to go all in, like I'll trade the ninth pick for him, or they want nothing to do with it. And I think I kind of land in the middle if there is allowed to be a middle ground here. Um, I'd want him even at the cap hit and at the age, but I'm not trading that 
first round pick. Like that would be off the table immediately. And I don't even think the Steelers would ask for it. Maybe they would. I don't know. Um, but I mean, I would be willing to do a second probably is where I'm, where I'm at right now. Eight Oh three Oh five fifty. Tell me what you think. Do you think the bills should be inquiring about Antonio Brown? And if so, what kind of price should they be giving for him? Let's go to Mike. Mike, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Oh, hey, man. I uh, hope you're having a good evening. I, yep. um, I like the idea of trading for a veteran receiver who's established and, and done something in the league to help train the young guys. But I'm looking at the roster, and the guy that came on at the end of the season, Robert Foster, yep. uh, not saying he could be the answer to a number one receiver. However, instead of maybe betting the farm and going all in with an Antonio Brown, I, I liked your point earlier about Alan Hearns or another veteran guy, and then – fostering Robert Foster into a number one receiver. He had all the physical tools, was injured all the time uh, when he was over at uh, Alabama and never really got his shot. So I think the guy's got the intangibles and, and the physical capabilities to do the job. Mike, thanks for the call. Um, yeah, I like that idea. And I don't did I, did I talk about Alan Hearns? I, I, I mentioned somebody. Um, but, yeah, I like the idea of getting that veteran receiver and – I guess I'm surprised that I've landed at a point where I wanted to go all in with it for a guy like Brown, but I just think the talent's there. Foster, I don't necessarily see the number one receiver upside for him. Um, I I think it's fair to think he'll be a number two. Physical tools are there. He's fast. He's got hands. He's decent size. So I think it's fair to think he could be your number two, but I, I don't think he's got number one upside. I, It's so rare that a guy drafted or not drafted, or drafted that late or not drafted, um, ends up being that good. Brown, I know, is an example of that. Six-round pick, became the best receiver in football. But look at the other best receivers in football. They're high picks. Julio was top ten. Beckham was middle first round. High first round? He was like 11th maybe. Something tells me fourth, but I think that's too high. That's too high. No, that's where Watkins went. Watkins, that, that was it. Um, Mike Evans was a first-round pick. Like they're not always top first-round picks, but pretty regularly they're they're high. Um, so I'd be surprised. I'd be really surprised if Foster turns into a number one receiver in this league. Sell the farm. <laughs> I think at best. I think at best you're getting like a Stevie Johnson caliber player. I think that's a lot of times that's like the the upper limit for guys that are late, that late, um, like really good number two receiver. Brown is bona fide number one, one of the best receivers in football. A couple years ago, eighteen hundred yards. We're talking about a guy who at one point in his career had eighteen hundred yards receiving, fifteen touchdowns this year as a five ten guy. I just think the talent in this point overwhelms the rest of the stuff. It overwhelms the cap hit and the and the age. And I think you're at a point where you're trying to win games and the talent is that high that maybe it is I, I, I really I really think it is worth the risk, as long as that risk is not a first round pick. Let's go to Bobby. Bobby, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, thanks for having me on. Sure. So I think what this comes down to for me is it's it's a QB-driven league, I think the most exciting thing about Antonio Brown is I want to know if Josh Allen's good. Mm -hmm. I think that's the way to figure it out. I don't want to give up a lot for Antonio Brown because I don't anticipate wanting to keep him for a second contract. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah, his contract expires when he's 33 as of right now. 
Right, but I think it's worth it to figure out because I don't want to be, you know, next year Robert Foster hasn't turned into, you know, a number one receiver, and we don't know if, if it's Robert Foster's fault or if it's Josh Allen's fault. I want to know. I like Josh Allen, but I want to know if he's good. Yeah, I do too, and I think that would be a good way to kind of determine how good he is. If you give him a receiver that good and say, hey, Big Ben was doing it with him for how long? You should, If you're really that good, you should be able to put up big numbers with him too. And that would eliminate one excuse. Or at least it should, ideally. You bring in Antonio Brown, your hope is that nobody can come at you with Oh, his receivers are dropping the ball all the time. Oh, look at who his receivers are. No, no, that's gone if you're bringing in Antonio Brown. And I think that's a good thing. Like, you want the quarterback that's able to figure it out with a receiver that good. You want a quarterback that's able to get a receiver those kind of numbers all the time, especially during my lifetime as a Bills fan. It's always, yeah, that receiver put up big numbers, but what's going to happen when he comes here? Like, is, he, is Antonio Brown going to put up 1,800 yards here? And entirety of my life, that's been a no. Like, why would a receiver ever want to come here? And I think if Allen, like, if you find out, and you can find out that Allen's this good, like, that's a good way to measure that. It's a good way to measure. And, and also send a signal out to other wide receivers. Do you see what happened to Antonio Brown when he got when he hooked when he hooked up with Josh Allen? Look at those numbers. You can come here, you can do the same thing. It's another reason to do it. Allen's certainly Allen's probably the number one reason to do this. I don't want to do this trade if I don't have Josh Allen in place. Josh Allen didn't look good this year, I wouldn't have wanted to do it either. But I think he looked good enough similar to the Bears situation with Trubisky last year. When Trubisky looked good enough for them, they said, "All right, let's go." He's good enough. We think we can make the playoffs, and let's go invest. Let's get Trey Burton. Let's get Allen Robinson. Let's get Khalil Mack. Let's go get this lineman, and what happened? They won their division, and I think the Bills are at a point now where they can look in the mirror and say, all right, Josh Allen was good enough. Let's go use that ninth pick on a lineman. Let's go sign the best right tackle on the market. Let's go trade for Antonio Brown. Let's go. Let's go compete with New England. And maybe maybe the excitement is sucking me in, um, because if they if they did do this, even if you wouldn't agree with the trade, you would be excited, a thousand percent. Um, but I think there's merit to both sides of the argument, and I think especially there's merit to it being it being a, a good enough idea to to take the risk. Uh, let's go to Ken. I can get my mouse to work here. Ken, you are on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, what's going on? Thank you for having me on. Sure. Down here in this neck of the woods in the city, I'm calling from New York right now in the city. All right. Going crazy over the case situation. They didn't want him. They're, they're going crazy that they didn't want him? That they got him. They didn't want him at all. <laughs> I wouldn't want him either if I was if I was a Jets fan. I, I, I work in a building. I would love to see Jets fans just jumping off right now that they could. Yeah. Um. About the receiver situation, who wouldn't love Antonio Brown realistically? Of course, but how about if you have two, two like two number twos and a three on your roster? I'm not saying that we do right now. If they could, you know, free agency or a draft, would it be that bad for Josh Allen right now? At least it's an upgrade. No, it would be an upgrade. I think they need to do something like that. I would probably actually guess at this point that that's the most realistic thing to happen to. 
Um, I think what probably ends up happening is they'll keep Foster and they'll keep Zay Jones. Maybe they'll keep Isaiah McKenzie, and they will try to either draft a guy in round one or round two, and they'll probably add a free agent that's pretty good, but no one would ever argue that he's a number one receiver. I think that's probably the most likely scenario. And some O-line help and probably the Super yeah. Eighties last year. As much as I like him, but this is probably will be his last year. Okay. Yeah, probably. His last year's contract. He'll be 32 after this year. Um, yeah, so I, I like your idea there to kind of – like more like get two number two receivers or three number two or number three receivers as opposed to go all in on that big fish number one, that whale, uh, that's probably the most realistic thing that happens. Texter said try trading for a different receiver. Vikings or Seattle, Stephon Diggs, Tyler Lockett, Packers have a bunch. Um, I, I don't there. mind do that idea. Lockett? I don't like those examples because Diggs and Lockett were actually both just signed by their team, so I don't see them being traded. Plus, the that idea, core like, in Minnesota ideally. is going to be tough to strip anybody away. They yeah. still believe in – they just paid, they have $30 million right. invested in their quarterback. They have it's, to go all in on that. They just paid $30 million for Kirk Cousins. They have to do everything they can to win now. Um, so, yeah, like I, I don't mind the idea. Like Go find a receiver to trade for that's not going to cost you as much as Antonio Brown and maybe is younger. But those aren't the examples. Um, and the other thing, too, is you have to remember, like, if a guy is younger, that's going to be a better situation for you, but you're probably giving up more. Amari Cooper cost a first-round pick. That happened. And someone paid paid it. Someone paid that price. Allen Robinson cost a lot of money for the Bears. Sammy Watkins, who we know very well here, can't stay healthy. He's got a foot injury again for the Chiefs. Yeah, he's very talented. But hasn't really been able to put it together in the NFL, the warrant where he was picked. He still cost the Chiefs $16 million. Receivers that have production, even if it's not wide receiver one production, if they're that young, they're going to cost a pretty penny. So you have to remember that. Really, I'd only want to do the Brown deal if I can, if it, if like, you know, if that's a more cheap option to me. Like, if I gotta go trade for Stephon Diggs, I gotta give him the ninth pick. 100%. Um, he mentioned, uh, another texter mentioned the Packers. Like, if I want Devontae Adams, I'm giving up the ninth pick. Because I gotta pry him away from there. And I got a guy that's on the outs on a team. Hopefully, there's not a team out there that's like, I'll give you a first round pick. Um, but it, it'll be very easy for someone to get sucked into that. Andrew Filipponi, who we had on last hour from Pittsburgh Radio, he tweeted about trading with Carolina. Like Carolina would be a team that would be looking for a number one receiver. They have the 16th pick. It's not quite as valuable as the ninth. Maybe they'd be willing to give that up. Like If I'm Pittsburgh, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a mid-to-late first-round pick from a team that is in a position to win now with an established quarterback and – would be willing to make that trade. Carolina is a perfect example. The Bills, the only hole in their connection, I would say, to Pittsburgh would be the fact that I think their pick is too valuable when it comes to a first-rounder. So you'd have to get them to be willing to take a second, which means someone else would have to not be offering that. Uh, I don't really know other than Carolina someone that could realistically offer that, though. Like, you're not doing it if you're New England. Um, Probably. I don't know. I can't think of another great example right now off the top of my head. Uh, let's go to Kevin. Kevin, you're on the nightcap. 
Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my uh, call. Sure. Just uh, tuned in and listened to the, uh, you know, the discussion about Antonio Brown. And certainly I don't think anybody's going to argue that he's a top receiver in the NFL. Uh, but bear in mind, you know, Coach McDermott is in the last year and a half talking about, you know, building a, a culture in uh, Buffalo. And sometimes that, you know, that has been preeminent in, in what he has been doing there. And sometimes that uh, has outweighed his uh, decisions on winning, Some uh, one could argue, and taking – a better player over building a culture. So given the, the troubles that Antonio Brown has had in Pittsburgh in the last few months, how, do, how would Coach McDermott reconcile uh, that, that uh, hire or acquiring that player against what he's been preaching in the last year and a half? I just uh, throw that question out to well, you. Well, wouldn't you – ideally, I almost want to answer, this with a, answer the question with a question. I, wouldn't you want McDermott to be comfortable enough with his locker room in year three – that he could go to his team, he could go to his management, his the rest of his coaching staff, and say, "Hey, he's got he's had some issues. Um, he's kind of a me guy at times, but I think our culture is strong enough to take that in and to, you know, be able to still keep the thing going, keep the ship afloat uh, with him on it." And Pittsburgh, maybe the one criticism they get the most is that Mike Tomlin doesn't run a tight ship. That you've got Le'Veon Bell situations. That you've got Antonio Brown, the number one receiver, getting into it with the number one quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, that you've got Joey Porter, a linebacker coach, getting into bar fights and going after Bengal players on the field during timeouts. Like, there's always something going on there. I would want to assume that... I think I, I would hope. I would hope to think that McDermott's got a situation here where it wouldn't be easy for Antonio Brown to get away with the same kind of stuff. Yeah, well, that may be, but I just think it's pretty, uh, you know, he's emphasized it so much mm-hmm. that I think it would be uh, a difficult uh, for him to, to reconcile that. That's, that's I, guess, I guess, just my, yeah. my take. I agree with you. He's a top player, and uh, and hopefully the culture is strong enough. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're, in, you're, in a re- you're still in rebuilding, and... Uh, He's preached the culture so much, I just think it would be hard to, to reconcile. Kevin, Kevin, thanks for the call. I, I don't disagree with really anything you said other than that comment right at the end. Where they're still rebuilding. I want to think they're done with that. I want to think they're done. They still have holes to fill, but rebuilding to me is like they, they have it filled. They have the quarterback, they have the coordinators, they have the head coach, they have the GM. I think they're done rebuilding. I think you have holes to plug. I think there might be a difference there. Um... Other than that, though, like I said, I like I don't want to really disagree with much else that you said. Although I think they could uh, do something like this because their locker room is strong enough. What they do say, like you mentioned, and what they preach and the guys they bring in would point you to the fact that they're not going to go in the opposite direction. I just think they could. I guess is the difference there. 8030550 is the phone number. Kevin, thanks for the call. Uh, we'll keep rolling through your phone calls and your tweets and texts as well on Antonio Brown, whether you think he is any kind of realistic idea for the Buffalo Bills. It's the Nightcap, Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell here on WGR.
I wasn't that high on him. But I will say that he has exceeded my expectations. I think he's ahead of where I thought he was going to be as a quarterback. And a couple of things come into play here. One, I think Brian Dable did a pretty good job in sort of doing some things with him schematically that played to his strengths as a quarterback. And one of those, of course, is his arm strength. It's as advertised. There is Mark Schofield from InsideThePylon.com, Locked On Patriots, Pro Football Weekly, Mark, Matt Waldman's site. He's everywhere. Uh, we'll hear more from him in the next hour. There's him talking about Josh Allen. Uh, we've been talking about Josh Allen, Antonio Brown, the Bills, wide receiver, quarterback, passing game, all the above here on the Nightcap so far. Today, a lot of Twitter mentions that I want to get to in just a second. Uh, quick out-of-town scoreboard update, though, in the NHL, if you're wondering about that. The Sabres are off tonight. They are two points clear of a playoff spot. They're also a point above Columbus, who's in the third spot in the Metro Division. They're in action right now. Columbus, first inter- most all these games are at the first intermission. Uh, Washington up one to nothing on Boston. The Sabres are two points behind the Bruins. Toronto's up three to nothing on the Devils. Sabres are four points behind Toronto. Islanders are up two to one on the Rangers. The Islanders are two points back of the Sabres, but they have a couple games in hand. Philly and Dallas are scoreless. Uh, Philly's way down. Uh, Columbus is—I I, I don't even know why I mentioned that. Kyle's in there wearing a Flyers hat. I wasn't even—I was only going to mention. I didn't even mention in them race. in the Eastern Conference updates right. today because they are so obsolete. I don't they just even know had why I did. the snooze fest of a snooze fest <laughs> period with the Stars. Shots were seven to five. That sounds. Do you want to watch that? No, I don't. That sounds terrible. Um, and the other game that has playoff implications uh, for the Sabres, Columbus up one to nothing on Nashville at the end of the first. Columbus has one less point, like I mentioned, but they're in their third division spot. Some Twitter chatter on the question I have at Sneaky Joe WGR. What would you give up for Antonio Brown if you did want him to be a Bill? Um, like like I said, all over the place. It's either it seems like it's either I don't want him at all, or I will give up the farm. Zach on Twitter, next year's first and third, and Trent Murphy. And then there's Mike, a conditional sixth. Uh, second round pick. That's from Steven. Dan uh, at Bump Miller. Dan Miller. First. But they ain't. No. They'll want a first. I don't have. I don't want to give up a first. It's a non starter. Probably. I might be on that side. Uh, Norm says nothing. Beth says nothing. Pat says no. David, no. Sell the farm! Sell the farm! Uh, Kevin, Kevin with an interesting take here. At KM Baker 1246. Uh, says anything. These comments are crazy. He would help Allen so much. He is the best wide receiver in football, hands down. Uh, he's one of them, and I agree with that. Like I think he would be a great help to Josh Allen. And if this is really all about Josh Allen, I mean that's the best help you can get for him, at least for the next year or two, if not more. I mean receivers do last uh, pretty long in the NFL, depending. But um, one more text I wanted to get to. Options better than Antonio Brown. Tyler Boyd, Adam Humphreys, Nelson Aguilar, Tyler Lockett, Sterling Shepard, Chris Godwin. Like Tyler Lockett, like I said last segment, just signed with Seattle, so I don't you're not getting him. Um like those other guys, they're like they're they're B minus receivers, if not C's. C's I even I want to say. Like Adam Humphreys is like a little is a slot guy. And Aguilar has had more success in the slot in his career. Than on the outside. So, like, I don't really know if I want to do that. I already have a guy in Zay Jones that's playing on the outside that probably should be playing in the slot. I don't know if I need another Zay Jones. He might be better than Zay Jones. Um, I think he he is because he's, he's definitely faster. 
but I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, interesting. All over the place. I like it. We need to talk some songs in hour number two. We got a song draft 15 days from today. Tentatively scheduled for Show Up in the Bulldog. The song draft. And this is kind of out of my wheelhouse because I'm not a huge music guy. But I am enough where I think I can, I think I can dominate this draft. I really do. I think I have the perfect mix of modern day taste and old school. So we'll talk, we'll talk some songs when we come back. And then uh, Mark Schofield. Uh, at 8.30. So then I cap Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell on WGR.